I couldn't find in, well, I did find invented, and then everybody complaining that someone used the word invented. He is with best it. known for having discovered that there are good parts in JavaScript. Why is that not the sentence you used? <laughs> I know. That should be the sentence you used. <laughs> well, I didn't actually see that one because I was only and looking at the JSON. Next I didn't sentence, go. That was the first important discovery of the 21st century. <laughs> Hi, I'm Steve. And I'm Zach, and this is Fireside Swift. How's it going, Zach? It's going pretty well. Uh, I can't complain. How about yourself, Steve? Well, I have been sick this entire week, uh, so oh. forgive me if I end up coughing in this episode, because it probably will happen. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm not going to forgive you. Okay. Um, I hold you to a higher standard than that. <laughs> well, thank you, I think. You're just... You're not allowed to ever be sick. Yeah, I yeah. really don't like being sick, uh, and it was a you know fairly annoying timing. Um, but I'll, I'll say this: uh, we are recording on a Saturday night. We usually record on a Friday night, and uh, I'm so thankful we didn't record last night because I was <laughs> far worse than I am today. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a rough week. It was a it was a pretty rough week uh, from being sick. Um, yeah, and another interesting thing in my life is—I was about to ask, did yeah. you, what else did you have going on? You kind of left us hanging. We did. After we, the we, last te- episode. we teased it a little bit uh, last week. Um, so this episode is officially coming out the day of my last day at Event Farm. Ooh, uh, the day after your last day? No, it'll be the day before, of my last day. The day of your last day? Yeah. So my wow. last day is uh, on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. which is, it's, it's sad for me to say goodbye. Uh, it's been about four years, uh, since I started working at Event Farm. I have already said my goodbyes to, to all my, uh, coworkers and whatnot. Uh, so yeah, that was, that was a tough day. Um, but, uh, I've already started my, my new job, uh, which I'm doing part-time. I'm a, a part-time instructor at Lambda School. Oh wow! I guess it's a good thing we had Ben on. Yeah, well, actually, he started it. <laughs> so that episode—it was literally that episode. Uh, you know, after the episode, um, we we talked about uh, some open positions there at Lambda School, and uh, I was already thinking it was about time for me to move on. And uh, since they had openings, <laughs> I decided to pursue that, and uh, here we are. Well, that's that's really cool. I'm sure there's more to the story. Why don't we uh, Why don't we talk about that a little bit later? Cool. That that sounds good to me. Anything new in your life? <laughs> Nothing as dramatic as that. It was <laughs> kind of just the week as is. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Uh, so I guess it's a good time to start talking about our sponsor this week, which is Sentry. Mm-hmm. Sentry is an open source framework that you can add to your apps that will detect crashes as they come in and send you stack traces, which are basically emails uh, and uh, also a web dashboard that'll let you know what happened when those crashes occurred. Because, you know, sometimes we don't write perfect code, right, Zach? No, we don't write perfect code. We have to ship, right? Um, You need to get your app in front of people. You sometimes 
can only hope that your app doesn't have bugs in it, right? Because you don't have time necessarily to queue everything as deeply as you would like to. We're not working on this infinite timeline where you can take as much time to do everything and check all of the corner cases. And even if you do check all of the corner cases you think exist, you're still one person. You ship an app out. It goes out on the App Store. It's accessible to everybody with an iPhone that can run that uh, operating system. Um, And typically, those people think of other ways to run your app or other configurations. Some people may want to actually run it on an iPad upside down. Who knows what happens at that point, right? (laughs) Uh, And you can't, you're one person, or even if you're a team of people, you can't cover as many issues as other people can cause. Plus, unexpected happens, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting to be sick this week, and I was. Does that mean I was (laughs) able to put out my best work? Probably not, because I was coughing half the time. Uh, that's how bugs get introduced sometimes. <laughs> um, anyways, Setry is uh, free. It's easy to add to your code base, uh, but it does have a slew of premium features as well. The premium because they do cost money. Uh, if you'd like to delve into that, you can use our promo code. It's Fireside Swift, all one word, Fireside Swift, and that will get you $100 off your account. We'd like to thank Sentry again for sponsoring Fireside Swift. Okay, so... I think we got some feedback this week. Uh, who do we hear from, that, Zach? We did. Let's start with uh, our buddy Stuart Lynch. He said, uh, working with Swift UI, you use the ternary operators all the time when dealing with state changes, so novice developers better get used to it. I really need to start playing with Swift UI. I didn't realize that, so that's good to know. I didn't either. Have you looked at it at all yet? I've looked at it a little bit. Um I think I just want to go through Paul Hudson's like, 100 Days of Swift UI, <laughs> just like really dive into it. Um, but are, I think, are you going to binge it? Are you going to like binge Netflix it, yeah. binge it? You're going ma- to wait till all 100 <laughs> days are out and then you'll do it in 30 days. Oh man, I, I just started binging <laughs> a, a new HBO show today. And yeah, that's it's it's totally in my style to just binge. So I'll, I'll try to fit that, that 100 days all in like a, a weekend if I can <laughs> instead of stretching out to 100 days. Yeah, um, two straws is bingeable. Everybody knows yeah, this. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, but yeah, that's. I think that's how you can get some of these more complex operators um, more accessible to beginners. Is if it's something that um, it's clever if it's not used everywhere, but it doesn't become clever anymore when everybody uses it. Mm-hmm. And so if everybody starts to use Swift UI, then it's not really clever anymore because that's just the way things are done. I think the first time I saw an extension being used uh, to uh, to to caught like to uh, fill in all of the uh, functions for a delegate, um, that was clever the first time I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I noticed that the community was doing that, and I saw it over and over and over again, it became less clever and more common practice. So I think uh, that's something we left out last week's show when it, we talked about clever code. Is it's also about doing stuff that the community does. Mm-hmm. And as yeah, soon that's as you, yeah. What were you gonna say? Oh, that's that's a good point. Like, think, imagine if optionals weren't as uh, as everywhere as they are, right? Like, imagine if you only ran into optionals every now and then. Mm -hmm. That would probably cause a lot of. uh, It'd be disconcerting. 
right? And be like, yeah. wait, wait, why is there an exclamation point after after this attribute now? What am I supposed to do with this? Why is my code crashing here? Um, but because they are something that you get used to working with, and they are as ubiquitous as they are, it becomes second nature to you. I think I think that's a lot of like old Objective C programmers thinking that Swift is too clever. Is you know they look at optionals and it, it's confusing. And I know mm-hmm. that was one of the the toughest hurdles when I first started using Swift was like, what is this optional thing? Yep. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, once once it becomes common and you see it a lot, like the, from the community and like apps get written that way, um, just like it becomes the common practice, then it stops being as clever. Mm-hmm. And you have to introduce more cleverness, right? Isn't that yeah. what happens? You just <laughs> keep making things that no one else uses until everyone uses it. Then you have to introduce something else that no one else uses. Yeah. Then the yeah. Well, yeah. It's got to, going back to old school. Like uh, oh, I'm thinking like hipster. Like, you know, the way like object, Objective C becomes clever. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I I'm pretty that. sure that's I'm pretty sure that's how humans evolved to have opposable thumbs. Yeah, I actually I would think that would be very clever. If like you there's something you want to do and you know how to do it in Objective C, you don't know how to do it in Swift. So you you have a Swift app that has one class that happens to be or like one mode of functionality that happens to be written completely in Objective C and it jumps back to Swift. That'd be clever, you know, like that. That'd be like, I saw this because this is the only way I knew how. That's mm-hmm. clever. That's not right. <laughs> That's clever. Yeah, I can, I get, I get your point there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we also heard from Joe Cab. He said, Psst, hey, hazy Falgu. Uh, Ermin is supposed to rhyme oh, with. Oh, no, no, no. Say that, say that the way you I said, said it before. I said Ermine, right? Yes. It's spelled E R M I N E. And this is the problem when you read a word <laughs> hundreds of times and you never hear it spoken out loud. Oh, right? Uh, um, okay. Uh, let me ask you this. Is it <laughs> C-A affine transform or affine transform? I would go with affine, but I have no idea. So, <laughs> it's funny because this actually came up this last week. Uh, oh, it really? turns out it's actually affine. Um, oh, see, like that's yeah. that's I what get, happens. Like one of the students at Lambda for uh, doing the research on that because Ben, <laughs> ben and I had a discussion about that during one of the classes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, again, like I've I've read it many many times. Um, I have not actually heard it spoken out loud. Yeah, so, exactly. And I I looked at it, it was like I don't I don't know how to say this. I'm going to say affine, and uh, you know, Ben said affine, and I I. I I confronted him about it. <laughs> of course you did. Of, of course, course you did. did because That's why wouldn't you? Right? Yeah. 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 No, I I should have given Ben a heads up uh, back when he was on the show. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, he got the heads up because he was on the show, so he he knew. No, that's only a that's only a small taste. Oh, it he is, hasn't. Yeah. He he didn't get any true Berard ambushes. True. He he has no idea what he's in for. Yeah. No, you were you were actually much too nice to him. Actually. See? I'm. He's not going to be with me on most of my classes. It's mostly the students that have to watch out for me. So I feel bad mm. for them. I may join Lambda just to be your student and <laughs> just give you crap the entire that would, time. That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not actually about anything technical. I'll just say that you're mispronouncing things. It's probably true. Though. <laughs> Did he just say optional? <laughs> but it was optional. Optional. <laughs> Uh, do we? Do, was there anything more we wanted to say about uh, Joe Cab, or is that that the only? 
<laughs> well, he, this. he had another tweet. Uh, we can just dive into that one. He said, Darn, now that you've announced my idea to the world, I'll never achieve my dream of being a hundred air. But on the mm. plus side, it sounded like at SW Berard volunteered to do a machine learning episode. I do not. I distinctly think I, remember this. I do this not. Happened, think yeah. I volunteered for no, that. Joe, at all. No, anyone who knows know. how to pronounce Ermin knows <laughs> that you uh, said you were going to cover machine learning. I only know one small aspect of machine learning and that's neural networking um and it has been a little while since i have messed with neural networking um we'll we'll table that it would be fun to tackle that um i don't i don't know if i could cover machine learning (laughs) but (laughs) no in 30 uh, minutes or less i know i mean how long do you want this episode to be (laughs) because i mean my my defense of my thesis was uh i think three hours so we could just you know Start there, and that's just was that one taped small aspect. At all, yeah. Let's just play that. It was not taped, but oh, I do have a one hundred page thesis that we could all read through. Um, that sounds like too much homework, even for me. <laughs> <laughs> we also heard from Harmonic Lattice. Uh, speaking of code kata, imagine trying to encode this, and then he linked a YouTube video of an actual martial arts kata. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. That would be uh that'd be a fun code gotta to do I think yeah like left foot it'd be like it'd be like uh, encoding twister only at a thousand times the speed and you have a weapon <laughs> uh, yeah yeah but that's what a kata is uh, yeah it's uh it's basically what you do in martial arts but uh, but for code yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, literally uh, I, I kick my computer constantly is that why it's so dented. Uh, that yeah that and why we have audio problems every so often but what don't you have a laptop that is on like you don't have a desktop or like a big tower sitting under your desk it's near taekwondo. Your feet. it's taekwondo you're actually go. like yeah. stretching your foot up above uh-huh. your desk and yep. then smashing it into the computer yep yeah and you're, you're the bruce lee of xcode sometimes i'm i have it in standing desk mode so it's gotta be a pretty high kick <laughs> Is that is that why you uh, is that how you pulled your hammy? Yes, that's exactly it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also heard from Rick Lowe. He said another great episode, but I fear at Zfalgu One and at SW Berard are rebuilding the non-US shoutout backlog. If you haven't listened to the Swift podcast before, give it a go. You'll probably learn something new and will definitely smile. So this scares me a bit. Um, does this mean that you gave us a shout out uh, or I gave us a, a review and we didn't see it because I mean, we use a service to, to, to combine all of the reviews from around the world and it's possible that the service is not working. Or are you talking about just Twitter in general? Yeah. So no, that's, yeah, let that's us the know. question we have. <laughs> yeah, I'm really curious because uh, if, if for any reason we haven't uh, called out your review on this this podcast, we believe we've covered everybody. But if for some reason we didn't cover you, let us know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the fun thing is we'll also get the email tomorrow about the reviews we probably should have talked about today. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, <laughs> definitely true. So, Zach... So, Steve. I really don't have one for this because yes! <laughs> I've been sick. Yes! And I'm just I trying to think win. how I'm going to do this one. I win. Oh, wait, I got it. So, Zach. No, 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 no. Show's over. 
So Zach, if you had Let's a son, go. if you had a son, mm-hmm. what would you name him? Uh, I see. I'm, I've because never I had think to you really should name ponder. him Jay. I think you should name him Jay. Here's why. Okay. Because Jay makes a good name for a son. Jay son. No, that's terrible. That's, that's terrible, even worse. Right? That's so bad. You should have just stuck with let's skip it. Uh, I almost did. I was like, how, <laughs> how, can, how can I do this one? Uh, and I know we did something like this. We did we did a similar Jason-ish episode way, way back. I think episode I think 12. Of, I think I was, having, I was struggling to find a good segue in that one, too. Um, <laughs> uh, you can yeah. always just go. You can always just go and uh, cut episodes twelve segue and drop it right back in here. I'm sure it's terrible. <laughs> oh yeah, because that one was so great. <laughs> that one was fantastic. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> See, it, it nearly killed you. <laughs> it nearly killed you. Okay, so we're gonna do an episode on Jason, not the person <laughs> Jason, especially not the one with, with. He wears a mask, right? Uh, yeah, Voorhees. Chains- chainsaw. Uh, whatever implement is near at hand. This would have been a really good Halloween episode. This would have been a great Halloween episode. So let's. If, if only we put that much thought into it. Well, I think a lot of developers are actually scared of Jason. Really? I think so. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, we, um, we can dispel some of that fear. Yeah. Like. Uh, so, what is Jason? Let's start with that, Zach. What is it? All right. So it stands for JavaScript Object Notation. And, I mean, if it's if it's founded on JavaScript, the, the fear is necessary, I guess. Yeah, I would think so. Like, that, <laughs> the first time I heard of this and I heard JavaScript at the beginning, I was afraid. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't want to mess around with JavaScript too much, right? Yeah. Uh, anyway, this was... This was <laughs> discovered by a man named <laughs> Douglas Crawford in the early 2000s. Wait, what um, do you mean by discovered? Was this like found in the wild or like... Uh, yeah, it's it like, like, you know how scientists will go to the Arctic and they'll be like, I found a new worm. And then they'll name it after themselves. So uh, Jason, Jason was found in a worm in the Arctic? Yes, um, I think that's how this happened. Yeah, no, uh, and uh, what's really funny is discovered is a, kind of the wrong word in my mind, right? But this is how Douglas Crawford actually uh, says it came about. He says he discovered it. In fact, he okay. he gave a, a talk somewhere. I found the transcript of it, and he talks about the true story of Jason, right? Um, and in like the first four lines, he says, I discovered Jason. I do not claim to have invented Jason because it already existed in nature. (laughs) What he did was he found it. He named it and described how it was useful. He also doesn't claim to be the first person to have discovered it. Okay. Like that's something else is that there were a lot of other people who discovered it at least a year before he did, but he is, I mean, it's kind of like, this is what happens, right? Like he gets known because he popularized it. Yeah. And he documented it, right? Yes, exactly. Um, but he could go back and look at someone who was using, uh, JavaScript array literals at Netscape as early as 1996. This is really interesting to think about. Like, you know, we discover animals in the Amazon, like, you know, every year, right? There's new bugs found, and there's supposedly so many more that we haven't ever found, right? And mm-hmm. so, but they've, like, always existed, or, you know, they eventually became, you know, existed. <laughs> they evolved into being. They evolved, yeah, right. evolved into being, or whatever. Um, <clears throat> so, here's, here's software, right, that 
somebody was doing for at least a year, at least according to Douglas's uh, perception, at least a year before he found it, he finds it and then <laughs> names it. <laughs> Now, why did he name it the Doug? You know, like yeah, it's, I mean, probably because coming up with uh, proper Doug words for D O U G, like having D O U G be an acronym, is just difficult. I, I know a Jason, like not not J S O N, a J A S O N, <laughs> and he used to work with me, and he hates Jason, J S O N. Because any time we talk about it in the office, or when we we used to work together, so when we used to talk about it in the office, he would always think we were talking about him. Yeah, that's understandable. So, so I, I would mean, think almost all Jasons hate Jason. <laughs> <laughs> probably, but if he named it the Doug, then all Dougs would probably hate Doug. Yeah. So he I mean, named it like Dougus Scriptus, like a, like a Latin name for it. That's a little too pretentious. <laughs> he did I, discover it. Well, I, the way I'm looking at this, like he was doing a PR over someone's code. Like they wrote all this code out. He was PRing it, and he was like, "Do you know what you did here?" And then he took it from there, right? Like yeah. he, he discovered someone else who had written it, and then and then kind of made it big. Yeah, basically said, "This is really clever." This is cool. exactly exactly. <laughs> Let's make it or, not, not clever anymore. <laughs> or it's like a music, uh, like a, a talent agent, right? For yeah. a, for a, the music industry, they sure. discover an artist, right? Like that's the artist true. is yeah. singing in a cafe or whatever, and they make yeah. it big. That's what that's what Doug did. Okay, so uh, what can we do with Jason? Um, we can do a lot of things. It's a good way to kind of store and transmit data in a human readable format. Okay. Um, it replaced, I mean, it didn't really replace XML because XML still exists. I was going to say, but, I, I know APIs that still use XML. Right. But I think it's, uh, you know, where there used to be a hundred percent of XML. Now there mm-hmm. is, you know, 10% of XML and 90% of JSON. I did actually have a job in, I think 2002 in the summer of 2002 of copying and pasting from a PDF document into an XML document so it would show up on a web page. So, oh, nice! Yeah, that, that sounds uh, invigorating. It was lovely. Uh, yeah. and actually, and I mean, we, we we still use as iOS developers, we still use XML all the time. Yes, but it's it's kind of funny. It's hidden, right? Like the yeah. the XML part of it has been abstracted away from us because mm-hmm. our our p lists are yep. actually XML. Yep. And if you go into Xcode and you right click on your p list and you say open as code, it'll open up and you can look at all of the XML you want to. Yep. Yeah, I wonder if that'll ever change to JSON. That'd be interesting. Yeah, that is a good question. Yeah. Hmm. Anyways, uh, so what else do we is neat about JSON? So, uh, and this is where I, the terminology kind of escapes me a little bit. Um, it's based on the object quasi-literals of JavaScript. Uh, A quasi-literal is a syntactic construct that facilitates the implementation of embedded domain-specific languages in JavaScript. Okay. So let's define that a little more, right? (laughs) A domain-specific language is a computer language specialized for a particular domain. So like HTML for web development is a domain-specific language. Um, But yeah. Okay. So so what's what's the, the basic idea? So 
A quasi-literal is kind of like a string literal and a regular expression in that it, it provides a simple syntax for creating data. Okay. That's kind cool. of the, the base of it, right? Once you gotcha. cut past all of the frilly words, uh, you're looking at simple syntax for creating data. Okay. And then all if right. you go to go to json.com to find out what JSON really is <clears throat> from what should be, uh, I guess, the definitive source... It says that it's built on two structures. It's a collection of name value pairs. Um, and in different languages, this can be an object, a record, a struct, a dictionary, a hash table, a keyed list, or an associative array. So you can but see like, JSON as a lot of different uh, objects. But in or it's structures. Swift, in Swift, we basically think of it as a dictionary. When we think of key yes. value pairs, we think of a dictionary. Yes, exactly. Okay. Um and it's an ordered list of values. Uh, in most languages, it's kind of an array, a vector, a list, or a sequence. Yeah, so in our case, an array. Yes. Yep. Cool. Yep. So, uh, Jason, so basically for where I'm getting at this is Jason's composed of two things, uh, either dictionaries or arrays, mm-hmm. right? Yes. And so basically I can have also an array of dictionaries or a dictionary with arrays in it. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Exactly. And the, and the really cool thing about this is that a lot of these data structures are used in many different programming languages. Hmm. Um, right? Like we we don't have uh, you know one thing in Swift, and we have to somehow massage that data structure to be the same thing in Java. We have we have uh, JSON that we can look at Swift and say, okay, we're going to have it as a dictionary, and then you can look at Java and make it a hash table. Which is really, really interesting, because that's why JSON ends up being almost the universal language for these interfaces. You know, we talked about APIs well, I think all the time, but like in general, <laughs> like any of the times we talk about networking on this this podcast. Um, but uh, you know, anytime we talk about that, we oftentimes talk about JSON. Like mm-hmm. JSON is like the way you get data out of it, and you parse it out and whatnot. But like it's because of this. It's because it's mm-hmm. basically composed of two things: arrays and dictionaries. <laughs> and at the end of it, it's got like some basic values: strings. Uh, it was like strings, integers, and booleans, and uh, it allow, and I think null. I think null is allowed in yes. JSON as well, right? So mm-hmm. I believe so. Yeah. So it's like it's this. It's almost this universal language that like you can pass this data between two things without having to worry about a trans, you know, too much translation layer. Right. Well, cool. I mean, if you think about it, if you create a backend, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be able to serve data up to many different endpoints, and you want it to kind of be platform agnostic, right? Mm-hmm. You want to be able to send data to a web page and have the web stack be able to read it and uh, show it properly. But you may also want to show that same data on an iOS platform. Mm-hmm. And being able to have the same kind of foundational structure that you know both uh, the iOS and the web stack can handle means that the back end is free to kind of you know not have to worry about doing a lot of extra overhead and saying well if we're being hit from a web stack serve this data in this structure if we're being hit from an ios stack serve this data in this structure it's kind of neat that like all those different worlds came together to 
you know agree on something you know <laughs> yeah are you saying jason is the uh is the key to world peace is that what you're saying uh, yeah it's the babblefish like this is yeah. <laughs> you know if you read hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy yes. like this is the babblefish right um <laughs> uh, it, it's it's neat uh and i think that's what makes jason so cool is that it it can uh actually hold the same information on a web stack as it can on an ios stack as it can on an android stack as it can on anything else you know it's mm-hmm. kind of neat yeah and so you know your your basic json structure is that you know it begins with a left brace a left curly brace it ends with a right curly brace um each name is followed by a colon and the name value pairs are separated by a comma cool so yeah uh you included in our notes <laughs> <laughs> the really big one <laughs> i did because <laughs> this is Star one of my <laughs> that's one of my favorite websites to hit when i'm practicing parsing json or or even like just showing someone new what json actually is right because mm-hmm. uh you can write your own data structure or your own json as an example and be like look if i if i'm going to turn myself into json i'll have first name zach second name or middle name alan <laughs> last yeah. name falcon and like that's that's fine but it's not like crazy interesting to the other people but mm. i found a lot of the people that i've spoken with like they get excited about star wars and you can say look, look you can do you can turn all of the star wars universe into json and this is how you do it does this JSON include whether Han shot first? <laughs> you know what? I need to look into that because that that should be a Boolean like, I want, value. I want the exact true. time that Han shoots <laughs> and then the exact time that Greedo shoots. And I want mm-hmm. to compare that. So let's see if this has that. Well, it, it, what version are you going after exactly? That's that's the real the question. Original. The, original. the original. The <laughs> original. Anyways, so, so no, Han didn't actually shoot at all. It was some other guy in a booth from across the. Oh yeah, yeah there we go. Yeah, no, that's Han, the Han was completely innocent. There's a, there's a smoking blaster on a grassy knoll. I feel in like the that's cantina. the next version. That's the Disney Plus version. <laughs> Han wasn't even in the cantina. Yeah, to- totally innocent. Uh, oh, I can't ruse, fake wait to hear the anyways, uproar about that. Anyways, um, so I, I hope you weren't planning on reading. No, no, but okay. I think it's I think it's interesting, right? So if you go to the Star Wars API or SWAPI.co, I believe, um, okay. it brings up an example, and the example is Luke Skywalker, but I believe if you just hit search, it brings up what a generic... Uh, hit of the swapi.co endpoint would look like and it's a bunch of json it's um it starts with it your right curly brace and then it gives you a count which i believe is the number of uh objects in this list mm-hmm. it'll give you the next page or the next set of objects to display which is actually listed as a website because we'll get to this later it's really important to flatten data in a json uh object uh previous is null because this is the very first page and then it goes into results and the results is an array of other json objects and that's kind of i wanted to give that example right yeah yeah Uh, because as you go through that array and into the other json objects they have also arrays full of other json objects and and uh it can get 
kind of unwieldy kind of fast if you don't do it properly. Yeah, because if you if you allow it to return everything, like if I'm looking through all these, I, I see a lot of like just this one example. Uh, let's say films, right? Films mm-hmm. has an array of essentially URLs. Yes. And but those are API calls in all reality. Yes. And so if it were to include all the information from that API call in the array for each of those films, this would get to be so large that you couldn't even download it. Well, it would eventually be infinite, right? Because yeah. Yeah. because if you're looking includes Luke, Luke Skywalker, Skywalker who yeah. also has a re- it's basically uh, a reference cycle, right? Luke Skywalker <laughs> yeah. was in circular the, reference. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was in the first film, and then the first film had Luke Skywalker in it, who appeared in the first film, who had which had yeah, yep. and it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. So you need to be able to break that cycle, and you can do that by kind of uh, the way uh, SWAPI.co does it is by providing a URL to bring you to that person if it is a person object you're looking at or a planet object or whatever right yep yep Makes sense. and and that and that is what i mentioned earlier when i said you need to flatten your data mm-hmm. so what yeah so what what exactly do you mean by flattening data okay if you think about it and i don't know if this is correct but this is the way i visualize it okay. think about it uh all of your data as being on a horizontal axis, right? And your keys and values uh, move along a vertical axis, right? Okay. So you have kind of your your base data structure um, on the next axis, the keys going up the y-axis. Well, a key can have another, <clears throat> another JSON object attached to it as mm-hmm. its value. Well, mm-hmm. that would be the next level, right? Okay. And... Part of that JSON object can also contain another JSON object, which is what we just talked about. So you can get, you know, multiple levels that go deeper and deeper of of JSON, right? Before you get to kind of this terminal one. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to keep those as small as possible because if you're doing something like retrieving this data from a network, the the larger that JSON is or the more um, levels it has, mm-hmm. the harder it's going to be to actually return all of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what you can do is, you know, if you have something that's going to be another JSON object, you can have another, um, not library, What what what's the word? In Firebase, it's called a document. Um, An endpoint? Yeah, kind of like, yeah, like that. Another endpoint to contain all of the types of that new JSON object. And you'll have uh, basically the value for your original key will be another key into that other endpoint. That makes sense. And so you end up making multiple quick network calls as opposed to one really long, really slow network call. Yeah, that makes sense. And it also allows you to kind of load data as it comes back instead of waiting for everything to come back at once. Yeah, that, that all that, that makes sense. Um, you got to be careful with that, though, if you're designing an API. Um, you got to think of your use case as well, because um, let's say I, I had this issue with uh, an app I was writing where I needed, let's say, 10,000. Uh, there was like 10,000 things, and I needed all 10,000 because I was going to cache it onto the device. I was going to save it onto the device so mm-hmm. that when the user opened up the app again, it wouldn't uh, download them again. It would just have them there, just in case they had like bad internet or, or whatnot, uh, mm-hmm. because the app was designed to go into places where the internet is terrible, like live events. 
And or volcanoes. So, no, you're supposed to say volcanoes. you're writing an app for people going into volcanoes. Going into volcanoes. That's yeah. that's actually closer to the real use case than live <laughs> events. I don't know what I was thinking. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so let's say it's 10,000 objects. And let's say every single one of those was so flat that you didn't, like, you, you made all the calls to get the 10,000 objects. But then you, each one of them, you needed to make another call to get just a little more information. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a little call, right? Just a tiny yeah. little call. Except that's 10,000 tiny <laughs> little calls. And that ends up being a lot of calls. Because, again, the idea here is to get all the information onto the device so that you don't have to make these calls later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that didn't work for our use case. For our use case, we needed to go a little deeper than normal just to make sure that with this one... Um, one passover we could get all of the data that we needed for the user to operate the app you know basically download all the information at first it took a little longer but mm-hmm. once we had it it was much quicker than downloading it once and ten thousand calls <laughs> um as opposed to you know just the let's say 100 pages of a thousand records mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good point. And it kind of goes back to software programming fundamentals. It's There's not one correct way to do really mm-hmm. anything, right? There, there are many ways to go about uh, solving problems in computer science and development. Well, and engineering is always a trade-off too, right? Yes. So, like, this is, I mean, in theory, in theory this, is, this is great for my use case but it's terrible for another use case you mm-hmm. know so you, you got to balance that and uh, you just have to think about that and uh, honestly like when it comes time like uh zach and i were talking about this uh when we talk about like the next evolution in api development i'm starting to look at graphql and like how neat graphql is um in fact speaking of jason when you are <laughs> making a graphql call like just a basic um, api call you provide uh, a query to graphql that's formatted as json so you Mm -hmm. you send in a json object to say this is the data i want to get back in the in this you know this kind of information and it's 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 a formatted json object and you get back a json object (laughs) (laughs) kind of neat that is really Um, really cool because you know one of the um one of the the difficulties i had when first you know making making calls out to endpoints and retrieving json uh, i was doing it in java mm -hmm. and so you would have one like overall object and that object was broken down into a handful of other objects. And each of those objects, you know, they kept mapping onto JSON, right? Mm-hmm. And the more levels of JSON there were, the deeper you had to go into these objects to determine or to get the actual value you wanted. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there were many of these objects and it could just be difficult to to traverse <laughs> through yeah. things right like you start at the top level object and the top level object has 10 inner objects and you think okay well that's great uh, 10 i can deal with but then like each of those has like another 20 or 50 mm. like i've been in yeah. this situation before and you're yeah. like oh this is going to take a lot longer than i originally thought <laughs> yeah and i i know 
uh, so, so we actually found an app on the Mac App Store that helped us decode JSON into objects for uh, the Swift encoder and decoder. <laughs> nice. And, or encodable, decodable. And mm-hmm. um, using the codable protocol. It was called Crybaby, I think. <laughs> do i have it downloaded i don't have it downloaded on this computer uh, i have it on my work computer i'll have to think i'll have to find it but uh yeah i think it was called crybaby and uh yeah you just throw in a json object and it would break them down into basically a, a codable object that uh, you could use in your apps which is kind of neat that's, you know? that's so, really like, nice so like dealing with the problem that you just mentioned you would just paste whatever return from your API into that, and it would figure out what uh, the codable object should look like. Mm-hmm. Wow. I'd, uh, I think I need to take a look at that. Yeah, I'll find it, and we'll put it in the, uh, the show notes. Yes, please do. So let's talk about how you actually use JSON. And this is what kind of episode 12 was all about. So we can just touch on it again briefly. Like we okay. don't we don't need to do deep dives into each one of these. Uh, thinking back, we, you know, episode 12 probably should have been what JSON is and then <laughs> how we use it. But uh, again, not thought out. Uh, here we are at episode 107, finally getting, <laughs> getting back to the prequel of uh, yeah. episode 12. Yeah. We'll call it that. Uh, so the first thing you can do is you can just parse your JSON by hand. Ooh, who does yeah. that? Uh, not that's actually how I originally learned. <coughs> like um, you would actually figure out what the curly brace was, and then the next string was the key, and then the next thing was a colon. Well, and... I knew what the I knew what the overall um, what the JSON object being returned was, right? So I could mm-hmm. cast my payload as an NS dictionary. And then call value for key and then provide the key to get the specific value. That, that actually works for. casting the data as an NS dictionary. I thought you had I don't, to do. I don't know if it does G- anymore. Okay. Honestly, um, that's what I used to do. But yeah, that's, that's how I like originally the JSON learned. Serialization. I thought that yes. was the only way to get it out of data. But okay. Uh, Interesting. Maybe. I'm not sure. Interesting. Um, again, that that's from back a few years ago when I was first learning. But it actually it it really helped me understand what JSON was, right? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I was dealing with the actual keys and and Codable, I think, provides a nice layer of abstraction. I think I probably could have learned faster with Codable. Oh yeah. Um, because you're actually like writing out everything and not doing it uh, line by line, right? Yeah. Um, but let's go into JSON serialization. Okay, that's so, how I learned. Yeah, uh, well, I use JSON serialization first. I'm going to let you take it away then. Uh, how about you do it? Because I feel like I'm going to cough a whole bunch. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Fine. Uh, so <laughs> you call like if let JSON object equals try, then you call the JSON serialization library dot JSON object with, and then you provide your data. Uh, then you provide some options, and then you have to cast it as an array of dictionaries and the dictionaries have strings as keys and any as values well i think okay so it's not just an array of dictionaries because it depends on the json object you kind of have to know and this is where things could really get screwed up like if you don't know that it's going to be an array to begin with this will actually not work like it'll return nothing 
if it's like a you know starts out as a dictionary uh, but if it starts out an array and you cast it as a dictionary then that's not going to work either so <laughs> you kind of have to know what the object is going to look like here so this is mm. where it gets interesting and so is this why you have to use guard or if let everywhere yep. to, to make sure yep. that you're actually getting what you expect to get absolutely nice yep uh there I, are I did, and i use this back with objective c so oh okay yeah yeah now there are there are a couple of uh <laughs> cocoa pods I believe um, mm-hmm. that kind of did a lot of the JSON serialization for you. And this was back before Codable was introduced. Yep. Yep. Um, the first is Swifty JSON. Yep. Um, that's trying to simplify the decoding of JSON data. And that was super nice when it came like back in the day before we had Codable. Swifty JSON was the <laughs> package to use. That was yeah. awesome. Uh, then there was also JSON encodable slash JSON decodable. Um, yeah, I didn't use those. Okay, well, I don't remember doing it either, but they okay. ended up in the notes, so they they existed at some point. And these were, I, I mean, okay, yeah, let's just move on. <laughs> isn't, wait, isn't that part of the codable? Maybe I have used those. I think those are aren't those part of codable. No, that's decodable and encodable. Not okay. you drop the JSON part of it. Okay, so yeah, thought, that's okay. The the actual like baked in Swift way of doing it is the Codable protocol. Gotcha. gotcha. And Codable <clears throat> is a type alias of decodable and encodable. Hmm. And actually, something that's interesting in the app I work on now, uh, I kept coming across when I first started working on it. I kept coming across a data object that was labeled as JSON, like it was it was JSON. Okay. And I was thinking, what you know, what is this? Why do we have a struct or something named JSON? And so I looked into it. It's actually a type alias for for codable for no for a dictionary wow. for a dictionary where we have string uh, and any right interesting where okay. we have. And I was like, oh, that's that's kind of nice because you know actually what you're working with and then mm-hmm. you don't have to write, you know, uh, square brace, string, colon, any square brace mm-hmm. every time you're trying to use JSON. Interesting. Yeah. What if it's an array? <laughs> then you just have an array of JSON. What if it's an array of arrays? Then you just, you have an array of arrays <laughs> of JSON. We can all do right. this all fair, night. Fair, you're fair you're going to devolve into a coughing fit long before i do oh yeah that's definitely true (laughs) (laughs) uh so yeah we can (coughs) there you go uh so you know anything can conform to codable if the property properties it uses also conform to codable meaning that uh you know if i have a person object and i want it to conform to codable um i can have a name or an attribute that's name of type string age of type int uh, because string, well, all of the all of the base um, types conform to to Codable automatically. So, like string, int, int double, date, yes. data, URL, array, dictionary, optional. Yep, those all conform to Codable. Those all conform to Codable. Uh, nice. But if I wanted to create my own. Um, Type right, so say I have a family type, and family has a an array of person objects, right? Mm-hmm. Well, my family type can't conform to Codable until I make person conform to Codable. Cool. 
A person could conform to Codable if all of its properties conform to Codable. Exactly. Nice. Um, nice. A good way to figure out whether you know you have any non-base level types uh, in any of your objects is try to make something high level conform to Codable and watch <laughs> and watch the uh, errors be thrown. There you go. Way to do it. <laughs> uh, so let's see. Um, yeah, I mean, you go into to coding keys. Have you used Codable much? Uh, a decent amount. Um, I I usually don't use coding keys because I try to name things you know the way they are. But um, and in general, I've worked with systems where the 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 key makes sense for what the value would be. Mm-hmm. But um, if I ever worked with a, why don't you describe what coding keys is? Because that'll sure. explain why I use it from time to sure. time. Sure. So it's a it's a nested enumeration inside of your codable object that uh, is declared in a codable type, um, and it has to conform to the coding key protocol. And when you have this uh, this coding keys present. It'll serve as the authoritative list of properties that must be included when instances of a codable type are encoded or decoded. So when you get that JSON data, it needs to have what you have listed in your coding keys. Gotcha. Oh, go ahead. I thought you were about to say something. Nope. Nope. Okay. nope. I'm, try- I'm, tr- I'm honestly trying to talk as little as possible. Okay, sure. Uh, that makes sense. That's fine. Uh, also, when you decode something into this type... You need to make sure that it has everything that is listed in those coding keys. Um, You can remove properties from the coding keys if they're not going to be present when decoding things or if certain properties shouldn't be included in an encoded representation. Uh, But you need to remember that if you do omit a property, um, you're going to need to have a default value to to kind of replace whatever that property was that you uh omitted that's i've actually um had a lot of crashes in my apps uh because (laughs) it's very easy especially when you use like um like an app that generates classes for you or you just you always assume the api is going to return something and someday somebody changes the api and it doesn't (laughs) return something um and so you have an exclamation point for explicitly unwrapping an optional, <laughs> you know, for something that just never existed, right? And right. so uh, you want to be really careful with this, and you want to make sure you do provide default values for all of these values because, um, yeah, it uh, it definitely could bite you. Um, mm-hmm. Never try. I, I would say this: uh, web API developers, you know, could get mad at me, but uh, never trust an API. It will. <laughs> bite you in the butt like all the time never never trust one ever mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like uh, it's the same motto i have for canadians <laughs> it's just you don't trust them <laughs> something <laughs> something the shift never trust a canadian they're too nice they're exactly too nice and, and they provide us some maple syrup they have something going on up there i'm not sure what it is yet but i got my eye on them. <laughs> <laughs> all right well it sounds like we've got a little deep into you know some of this, these ways of uh, decoding JSON, but I think we got the idea across of what JSON is, mm-hmm. why it's cool, why you should look more into it. Uh, gave you some resources on on where you could look for more information about JSON. Anything else that we're missing, Zach? I think that's that's good for now. 
Okay. Um, we didn't want to dive too deep into kind of parsing, and I think we, we left it at a good spot. All right, cool. Well, hopefully it's less scary for some people out there. Uh, and for those of you who weren't scared of it to begin with, hopefully this uh, reinforced uh, some of the things you already knew about Jason and <laughs> some things you didn't know. Who exactly. Knows? Cool. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, move on to uh, shout outs. Sure. So uh, this week's is easy. We don't have any. Oh, no. Well, there we go. Wait, I thought uh, there was some uh, so, some shout-outs from other countries that we were missing. Exactly. We're missing them. <laughs> they're, they're not here. Yeah, I know. If, so if, if they were here, we wouldn't be missing them. Ca- casual reminder, if if for some reason we missed your shout-out, just let us know on Twitter. We'll make sure uh, we, we figure out what's happening with that. Yeah, we'll dive into it. Um, now, we do have some Fireside Swift-specific things we need to talk about. Oh. And this this kind of goes back to follow up, but I, I wanted to leave it in a special spot here. It's from Heffertron. Uh, he said, "Don't forget to make your nominations at the annual Hacking with Swift Community Awards. Let's get Fireside Swift to number one podcast." And then he provided the URL to actually go and make your nominations. So, uh, just a little reminder to everybody that the this year's Hacking with Swift Awards uh, is now, I guess, officially live. Um, they're the way Paul does it is he has an open nomination phase where you can kind of nominate whoever you want in whatever categories he has offered. Um, and then he takes the, those nominations and makes a short list for the actual voting. And I think voting occurs over the course of a couple of weeks. And then once voting closes, he announces a winner. Uh, and so we're currently on the nomination phase. Um, if y'all want to go out, Head to your to your local your your nearby <laughs> hacking with Swift URL, um, and nominate what, what is us. That URL that's hackingwithswift.com slash awards, and we're going to provide a link in the show notes, which might be a little more a little more a little easily access, accessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you want to list Fireside Swift as as you know what you think should be nominated as the community's favorite podcast please do that would be fantastic and you also don't have to nominate have a nomination for each category either you can go in and just say fireside swift is the best at everything you could also nominate somebody else too yes i mean we would love for you to nominate us but if there's another swift podcast out there that uh you feel deserves uh, a nomination go ahead and add them on there there's a Mm -hmm. lot of great podcasts out there i mean that's honestly one of the ways that i find other podcasts to listen to so exactly really you're not you're not really hurting my feelings if i get to learn more all right (laughs) well i think that is all we have today thank you all for coming out Thank you, Sentry, for sponsoring us, and we'll see you all next week. Y'all have a good one. It's such a good feeling to be at the end. A happy feeling that there may have been a mistake or two. So we'd like to hear from you. Twitter's great. Breaker might beat it. Email's fine, but we rarely read it. But we love five-star reviews. And we promise to mention you. Get a pen and write this down <laughs> Just kidding, who's got pens around? Still they love to hear from you Steve Berard and Zach Belgoo Tweet at Zach and have some fun At T-F-A-L-G, oh you do one At T-F-A-L-G, oh you do one He'll write back when his work is done 
Tweet it, Steve, and you will see Clever use of the emoji At SWB E-R-A-R-D Fireside Swift has its own handle So you can burn three sides of the candle At Fireside underscore Swift At Fireside underscore Swift And if your message is a little too long There's Fireside Swift at gmail.com and FiresideSwift.com FiresideSwift.com Well, you know, you said you had big news and you, you gave it to us. You you left Event Farm and you're on to, to a different I guess job, right? Like a, a yeah. different way. I wanted to say a different way of life, right? Because kind of everything changes for you. Yeah, this is a this is a big change for me. Um, I I think bigger than like just changing a job. Um, mm-hmm. For one, uh, I'm not going to a full time position at Lambda School. Uh, it's just a part time position. Uh, so that's that's kind of a big deal, right? Um, going from a full time job at uh, Event Farm, which I've really enjoyed uh, all these years, uh, and before that, working for the Navy full time, obviously. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of benefits that go along with that, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, I'm I'm making the conscious decision that uh, I i'm gonna try freelancing i'm gonna try it out um i'm going to there's some things that i wanted to put on the app store there's some things that i'd like to do for fireside um you know we've talked about merchandising uh in the past so Mm -hmm. uh i i think this gives us a great opportunity to give that a try so for (laughs) you know everybody that's been looking forward to that that's one of the things one of my initiatives going forward is is working on that, yeah. We could just keep say something. Yeah, I was gonna say we can just keep teasing it until it actually becomes reality, it. right? Like, but I, I want it to be a reality. <laughs> oh, I do too. But you just keep saying it's gonna happen, and eventually it will. I know, and I've I've actually started doing research, even though these last couple of weeks have been like super super busy. Um, I, I've done I've done a little bit of research, and I I I need to talk to you about this after oh, we record because okay. like I've got some interesting things i wanted to pitch to you on that um but yeah so i'm thinking about doing that there's some apps i want to throw in the app store uh and then there's like some other uh you know work that i'd like to try to do um outside of the constraints of full-time job uh plus you know i really want to work with lambda like i i like uh teaching i've you know that's what we do here on this podcast um and this is an opportunity to do that uh and uh unfortunately right now they don't have a full-time position so i'm taking what i can and then uh i'm gonna fill in the rest with uh what else whatever else i can so (laughs) would you be interested in a full-time position i would i actually would uh but that's uh you know that's we'll figure that over time um Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know no 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 pressure on on lambda at all right Uh, i was just i was curious my position yeah so um yeah and uh, who knows like it might be that i stay working part-time with them and end up doing freelancing um i actually need to spend some time talking to sean allen ben uh some of the other people that ha- we know that have, have done the freelancing gig um figure out like what's the best way for me to go about that but uh yeah it's i've it's a little tough 
working in this industry and staying at a company for longer than two years mm-hmm. because you tend to continue doing the same thing over and over again. And it would be nice to learn what other companies do like, and, and, you know, just to, like see a new perspective. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see that. Uh, it's easy for one company to do kind of their development cycle and the way they develop Mm-hmm. the same way over and over again right because if something is working for the company they're not going to want to go and just change it so a developer can learn a new way of doing things mm-hmm. and if essentially slow them down uh which means less money yep. for for the developer's sake yeah yeah even if even if uh you know it leads to better development or faster development even in the future just because it's a it's a gamble, and not a lot mm-hmm. of companies are willing to take that kind of risk. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. So this is I don't know. This is an interesting experiment <laughs> to say. Um, <laughs> it's a little it's a little scary too. Um, but uh, I think I've mostly gotten over that fear, and it helps to have a, a steady job. You know, while I'm playing around with this, this isn't like I'm completely quitting my job and just going like I'm gonna do this you know (laughs) yeah freelance stuff full-time um no i i've got a little bit of uh kind of a backstop with with land to help (laughs) me out and you know i've got a runway with my savings so Mm -hmm. yeah it's uh it's gonna be an interesting journey yeah i'm I'm interested to kind of live it alongside of you and to kind of learn how you uh how you handle everything i mean freelancing i think is incredibly interesting um because of the the amount of products you're able to touch right if if mm-hmm. things work out right well plus there's there's also like the being your own bossness of it mm-hmm. you know i'm gonna treat myself like i am a company you know and i have a runway and you know i've gotta stay you know I, i've gotta not bankrupt myself um <laughs> Yeah, so it's like it's going to be interesting to to approach this part of my life that way instead of okay, well, I'm always just going to work a job until I retire. Um, what if what if I can you know build up my brand, build up my ability to be desired as a developer, such that um, I can start earning higher wages and eventually kind of do whatever I want to do, take the jobs I want to take. Um, work where I want to work instead of being tied down. Uh, but that also could be a fairy tale too. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. I don't know. Well, I, I'm interested to hear about, you know, Steve co a division of Steve Inc, a, a right. subsidiary of Steve LLC. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I feel like you would have a bunch of shell companies? Like, <laughs> it's a good question. Why do you think I would do that? I don't know. <laughs> that's very not, complicated. I'm not sure if your your roommate wonders why sounds, you haven't taken a, a little, shower. That in sounds like a little weeks. too clever, Zach. <laughs> it, it it might be. It may be. It is. Uh, <laughs> but I still wouldn't put it past you. Yeah, I don't know. A few shell companies, just a few yeah, of them. Just a couple, right? Just yeah. to just to keep your roommates honest. Name them uh, Clam and Turtle. What kinds of shell companies they are. Wah, wah, wah. Um, wah, wah. <laughs> uh 
Um, anyways, uh, so yeah. So what? Yeah. What is, what's your schedule like? Mm, Lambda is so f- kind of different than typical um, development, right? Mm-hmm. And I guess we went into it with Ben quite a bit. Yeah. So Ben talked about it. My particular schedules. I, I'm uh, I'm going to be teaching in the evening classes, and uh, it's a Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. You know, this switches off every week, so mm-hmm. uh, that's going to be uh, uh, you know kind of interesting. But um, you know, and it's in the evenings too, so uh, that leaves my mornings open to doing whatnot. Uh, you know, whatever I need to do, and you know, wh- whatever I want to do, really. Um, uh, so that's going to be interesting. You know, I'm going to have to be disciplined, uh, make sure I continue to work out, make sure that <laughs> I, uh, am, you know, wake up at a decent time instead of just like slowly sleeping in more and more and more. Right. Um, because I think it, it can be easy for you to fall into that trap, right? Like it, oh, it's yeah. going to take an amazing amount of self-discipline exactly. to make sure yeah. that, you know, you leave the house mm-hmm. essentially, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's gonna be interesting. Easy, easy, <laughs> Siri. What was Siri saying? <laughs> I have no idea, but she started yelling at me. That's funny. I think she she wants to know what you're up to as well. I know, um, and I mean, as far as uh, like something that would would kind of get to me, and actually something that I had to adjust to mm-hmm. when I started working in my current company, um, is that I'm only in the office two days a week. And mm-hmm. I only really have one other coworker, mm-hmm. and I went from an environment where I had hundreds of people at the office that I was I wasn't interfacing with each of them every day, right? I wasn't talking to each of them, but I mm-hmm. I saw them and I was having interactions with a large number of them on a day to day basis, mm-hmm. um, and going from that to basically nothing was was interesting, and and I have. Other things I do outside of work for a social life, but mm-hmm. it did feel like my social life kind of uh, fell by the wayside just because yeah. I wasn't seeing as many people as I normally did. Like it, yeah. it's interesting because my my actual social uh-huh. life didn't change at all, right? I, mean, I still yeah. saw the same people that I typically saw the same amount of times I typically saw them, but because I wasn't seeing all of my coworkers. And I'm, I mean, at work, I'm, I'm a pretty social person at work, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so some people would probably call it, you know, me having some social time just because I like to be yeah. around people. Sure. Um, and that's, that, that's a common thing that people who work from home say. Right. And it got restricted and I got used to it, but it, it definitely feels weird every now and then. And it's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. I am happy that I go into a co working spot every now and then because he's, yeah. I've got one coworker and I talk to him all the time. But at the co working spot, you kind of get to know everyone else mm-hmm. that's there. And uh, so you get to learn a little bit about them and who they are and what they're working on. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, a company with like an insanely diverse background, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and all these people are, are kind of your coworkers, except you you kind of sometimes get along better with them because you're not working on the same projects. Yeah, yeah, um, and that's <clears throat> that's a possible. Excuse me, <clears throat> that's a possibility in the future. Um, I've also heard that uh, a common thing that people do when they you know freelance and whatnot is to go to coffee shops. Mm-hmm. So. That's that's a possibility too. I've got a couple nice coffee shops nearby me, so 
maybe I'll do that. I'll take my laptop, walk to one of those coffee shops, and park for the day. <laughs> You're going to be drinking so much buttered coffee. <clears throat> I don't think I'll go to Bulletproof. <laughs> <laughs> so much buttered coffee. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so we'll see. Um, this will be an interesting adventure, um, and uh, I'm pretty excited about it, so... Let it's, you know how it goes. It's one of those things that you're not going to know what it's like until you try it, right? You can, exactly. You can hear about other people's experiences with similar things over and over again, but you aren't going to react to the situations the same ways that they do, right? Exactly. Because you are who you are. Yep. Um, and when I was leaving Texas Mutual, one of the reasons I gave them for leaving was that you know I wanted to do work on a mobile app and it's something that I had always been curious about and I had an opportunity to do it and I would never have that answer until yeah. I actually did it. And, you know, unfortunately doing it meant I had to leave a lot of people that I really enjoyed working with behind. Yeah. But if I didn't do it, I would still be wondering what it would be like to be a mobile developer today. And, you know, it, it was a dilemma, but, in the end, the answer was a, a little easy. It was it was easier yeah. than than expected, right? Because I just I couldn't have that question hanging over my head for the mm. rest of my life. Um, so I think you're making a really a bold move and a strong move, and uh, I think it's going to be good for you. I hope so. I, I, pretty much everybody I've spoken to about it is. Uh, you know, they basically said that I, I they expect me to be successful <laughs> in this mm-hmm. endeavor. Yep. Uh, it's it's up to me to prove them wrong. Uh, and <laughs> we'll no, see how that goes. <laughs> I haven't left bed in three weeks. Postmates deliver another yeah. whopper. Yeah, I, I am. I am. No, I, I really, I really hope this goes well. Um, but uh, like I said, it, it really depends on uh, the network that I've built and uh, what the work looks like out there. So we'll mm-hmm. see. Um, yeah, I'm hoping <laughs> it goes well. Me too. I think I think you'll be successful as well. Well, thank you. So sir. there it is. Another person to prove wrong. <laughs> All right. Well. I will keep you posted, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see how this this uh, weird journey goes. Looking forward to it. Ding! That's for that's for Mister McSwiftface.